John 15, verse 10. Jesus said, and this is the whole passage about Him being the, the vine and we're the branches, okay? And then He says here a little later, if you keep My commandments, you shall abide in My love, even as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. We're just going to stop there. We're going to read some more of this passage in a little while. But Jesus said in, in all through the, the Gospels, but in John 14, 15, if you love Me, keep My commandments. And we're going to talk today a kind of a continuation from last week, but as believers, our obedience to Christ. And I know these sound like no-brainers. They sound like, of course, we know this, but we don't all know it. We don't all live it. And it's not all re, it's not always instilled into us and restated and by the Holy Ghost brought to us and reminded. You know how Peter told uh, the believers when he wrote First and Second Peter, these things I write unto you, that I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. He mentioned three times, I think, in Second Peter, that I'm trying to stir your mind. He goes, you know these things already. It's like you're talking to your children. You're sending them off to the first day of school. And you've told them a thousand times and you can tell them the same thing again. Don't forget, you know, I'll be here to pick you up here, right here at this spot, you know, at 3.15 or whatever. Whatever. Uh, there, it's good that we're reminded. Now, I watched a little college football yesterday evening and, and I could see the coaches uh, like those crucial moments in the game or right before. And all the coaches are talking to the quarterback. I noticed one quarterback, I think it was for Auburn, he had like three, three coaches yakking at him right before the very last play of the game and just really talking to him, talking to him. And then right before he left, one more coach said, you know, one more thing. This is what I want you to remember. Snap the ball with five seconds to go. And it was like all the other stuff was probably going in and out one ear, but it was like, I want you to remember this, okay? And um, this is what the Bible does for us. This is what the Word of God, we study it, we read it, and then we need to be reminded. You're never going to come to church here or anywhere, I would think, and hear the truth and, and hear something you, that you didn't ever know before. I feel like when we hear the Bible, it's, it's like a confirmation of what the Holy Ghost is already showing us in our hearts. We know it. I'm not, there might be some passage or biblical story that you didn't know, but if I talked to you about, or the sermon was about humility, you would already know in your heart that's of God. That's a fruit of the Spirit. There's nothing new. It's but we need to be reminded of these things. And so last week and this week, we're talking about our obedience as believers. Okay, this is for Christians. As believers, our obedience to Christ or our lack of obedience to Christ, it has a great effect upon our lives. I know it sounds so simple, but our obedience to Christ as a Christian, a true Christian, our disobedience or lack of obedience has big, major ramifications. It has results. It has fruit. Even as a believer that's going to heaven, it has fruit. Our obedience to Christ or our disobedience is going to produce or fail to produce something that God wanted to produce in our lives. And I'm not going to spend much time on this at all, but last week we talked about obedience to Christ because we love Him. I consider this like the second part of that message. And so we're, we'll finish this, this today. But we talked last week about, okay, if I'm a believer... And as a believer, I sin. Is it anybody, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but have you sinned since you've been born again? I have. Okay? And we do. We don't have to, but we do at times. I pray it's less and less. 
I pray it's more and more holiness and a walk with God that is not in the same patterns of sin that we lived before. But we have sinned since we've been born again. There are some promises from God's Word where I say this is not affected by our disobedience as believers, okay? In other words, when I'm a Christian and truly saved and I sin, I'm still loved by God. Remember, we talked about this last week in detail, in depth. God loved us when we were lost. He loves us still when we're saved, even when we sin when we're saved. We're still, as a believer now, and I sin. I shouldn't sin, but I do. I still can find mercy and forgiveness and grace. If we confess, turn from our sin, turn to God, there's forgiveness a thousand times, a thousand times, a thousand for our sins still since we've been saved. And we're not put out from God's family because, okay, I'm a believer, but I sinned. I sinned repeatedly. I sinned horribly. And I'm saved already. God doesn't say, well, I'm through with you now. I'm thumping you and kicking you out of the family. Hit the door. We're part of the body of Christ. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So those are things that are not affected by me sinning, my obeying or disobeying as a believer. So what's the big deal? We kind of ended last week. What's the big deal if I, about obedience if I'm born again? And if I sin as a believer, I'm still loved by God, still can be forgiven by God, and still part of His family. What is the importance or significance to my life as a Christian? Why should I strive after obedience? Why should I strive to live a life that's laid out in the Scriptures that a child of God should live? There's huge ramifications. There are major ramifications, and I believe it absolutely has to do, and I will put this at the top of the list, there, there might be in some different order in your mind, but our, our, our relationship with God, our fellowship with God, our intimacy with God, our communion with God. We just took communion. But if it's not communion with Christ, then it's just a ritual. Okay? If it's not really done that we're meeting with the Lord, uh, then it's nothing but a, a religious ritual. But our, our obedience to Christ, our disobedience to Christ, will greatly, greatly affect our intimacy with the Lord. It will greatly affect our fellowship, our communion with God from day to day. Okay? You can be married and have a marriage license and you're legally married. But if you're not, things are kind of cold and not getting, doing well between you and your spouse and you just kind of let it go and, it, and the, the, the rift gets a little wider and bigger, it's absolutely has already affected your communion with your spouse and your fellowship. You're still married. You're not kicked out of the house. You're Christians. You're not getting a divorce. You're not going that far. And, and you still have a marriage license. You're legally married. You're not desiring anyone else. But your relationship is not what it should be, right? The intimacy is not there. The communion, the fellowship is not there. These things are greatly affected by uh, how we walk. Well, the same for our walk with Jesus. If He says, thus saith the Lord, you know, here's Randy what I have for you to do in His Word, and in my heart He reveals it to me, and I handle that carelessly, and I handle it uh, haphazardly. In other words, more, other things are more important to me than this. I kind of hit or miss. I'll do some of these things I'll do some of the things I like, some of the time, things I have for, have time for, some of the things that uh, kind of hit me at the moment, and I'll obey God in these areas. But other areas I won't. 
Uh, you don't think that that's going to affect our relationship with the Lord? Still His child, still loved by Him, still can be forgiven if I repent. He hasn't kicked me out of His family. But my intimacy with the Lord, my communion, my hearing His voice, me walking with the Lord and being close with Him and loving Him and a love relationship with Him. Look at the Scripture we open with. If you keep My commandments, you shall abide in My love. He says it several times about it. Love and obedience. Love and obedience. And He's linking them together. If you keep My commandments, plural, you shall abide in My love, and even as I have kept My Father's commandments, and abide in His love. There's a Scripture. You don't have to turn there, but I have not uh, studied. I can't say study. I've read several times, but I've studied the Song of Solomon. I'll be honest with you. I think other people understand it better than I do, or more deeply than I do. But I do believe it, it's, it's obviously love letters between Solomon and the Shunammite woman. But people have related it to our, our intimacy with the Lord, our communion with God. I don't think that that's wrong or a stretch. Uh, I'll leave it at that. But there's a scripture in Song of Solomon 5, 6. And the woman is talking about searching for her beloved in the night. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. I believe that's talking about intimacy. I think it's talking about communion and fellowship. Uh, she had been looking for him, and, and you know, when she opened, he wasn't there at that moment. And her heart fainted and her heart failed. Now she found him later and all that. But, but the point is that I think it has to do with communion, with our fellowship with the Lord. Not our standing in Christ as being justified and washed in the blood of Jesus and eternally secure and saved, but our day-to-day -day loving Him. Our day-to-day -day experiencing His love for us. You know what I mean? But like really experience it in my life. I know that I'm accepted in my, the Beloved. Knowing that by faith and actually walking in that day by day is affected by our obedience or lack of obedience to Christ. And that is important and it should be important to us. Our usefulness, our usefulness to the Lord is affected by our obedience or disobedience, right? Your usefulness to God. Okay, a soldier... We're told a good soldier doesn't entangle himself with the things of, the, of this life, that he may please the one who chose him to be a soldier. Now, now we're starting to think about something else. It's not just my salvation. It's not just when I'm going to heaven when I die instead of hell. So go ahead, God. I, you know, when I die, I'll see you there. It's no, he's called, called us into something. There's a life, okay? There's a life between salvation and heaven that he's called us to live. And all of that. All of that between salvation and heaven is affected by my obedience to Christ or lack of obedience. My hot or cold. My, my uh, walking with the Lord or not. The, the Bible says if a man would purge in a large house, there's a great house, there's vessels of honor and dishonor, Paul says. If a man would purge himself of these, and I believe that these are the, the sinful things that follow after that Scripture, you know, youthful lust and that sort of thing. If a man will purge himself of these, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and fit for the Master's use. That's not talking about heaven or hell. That's not talking about hearing the Gospel and getting saved. He's talking about believers in a big house. There's honor and dishonor. Even within God's house, I believe, there are vessels of honor and dishonor. 
And it it's depends, I believe, on our obedience to Christ and our hunger for the Lord and our seeking after God. It's not just our obedience, but it's our heart that desires to obey. Remember last week we closed. We closed last Sunday morning on this thought. And this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. 1 John 5, 3. And His commandments are not, what? Grievous. They're not. It's not a question. Even if I thought they were, the Bible says they're not. Okay? They're not grievous. They're not burdensome. God's not hanging, come over here, you know, Damien, hanging one big heavy uh, weight, so to speak, of obedience around your neck. And then you're, you're kind of bowing down. And, come on, I got a bunch more. And he keeps laying heavy burdens on you to where your life in Christ is just miserable. That is not walking with Jesus. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I don't think Jesus looked at it as a burden to please His Father. I do always those things that please Him. And so, His commandments are not grievous. So our usefulness to the Lord is affected by, uh, by our obedience to Christ. You want to be used by the Lord, do you? I mean, don't shake your head if you don't. If you really do, we should all want to be. But ask God to use you, but our obedience to Christ will determine that. Our effectiveness for the Lord in ministry or whatever He's called us to will be determined by our obedience to Christ or not. Our effectiveness. Our testimony or our witness for the Lord publicly. And I say all the time, we have a witness in church. You're witnessing to me. And your life for Christ witnesses to me. You're showing up for choir practice and everything is a witness to me. You're serious about this. You've made it important and you're going to be here for that. You understand what I'm saying? You're, that's a witness to me as a believer. And your witness for Christ among the lost people is determined, uh, greatly determined by our obedience to Christ. If I'm disobedient to the Lord, it's going to hurt my testimony for Jesus. I'm still His child. It's hurting my witness for Christ, right? There's no doubt about it. And so uh, it greatly affects our lives. And we often hear, and we should hear, so don't get me wrong, I'm saying we often hear, and we should hear, about the love of God. The love of God, we sang about it this morning. It's a perfect love for imperfect people, and that's putting it mildly, okay? His perfect love for sinners. His unconditional love for sinners. Uh, his, his love for us, even when we're saved and we sin against them, like we talked about. But what about, and here's what we're talking about this morning, what about... My love for Him. I hear about His love for me. And I don't think I've even begun to grasp it. Even at my age and in my walk with the Lord, I have been, begun to grasp it. But what about my love for Him? We need to talk about that sometimes, don't we? Because the Bible says that the first and greatest commandment, you should love the Lord. When asked that question, Jesus replied, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And so, what about my love for the Lord? Now that I have been saved, now that I am, uh, my eyes have been opened, so to speak, my foolish heart was darkened, the Bible says, and my, our minds were darkened. And now I've been awakened spiritually. And I pass from death to life. And I belong to Jesus now. I've given my life to Christ. What about now? 
my love for him? What about uh, finding out what the Lord desires? What about me loving him who first loved me? We talk about, so, you know, you hear so much in Christian circles, it's okay, God loves you. In other words, it's okay to live how you want. God loves you. God loves you. And we, we, we water down salvation and we water down the gospel and we water down what it means to really know Jesus and walk with Him and to be forgiven and to be cleansed and to be made new in Christ and to be holy and to be separated and to be sanctified and to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to be a vessel of honor unto God. All that somehow or another gets swept away by this big canopy that just says, it's okay, God loves you, man. Okay, I, I, I get that now. I do understand it. But I've been awakened and I've been saved and the Holy Ghost has shown me and taught me things about myself and about the Lord and He purchased me with His blood. What about my love for Him now? It is a two-way street. It's a relationship. Absolutely, we first loved Him because He first loved us. We don't even try to measure our love for God against His love for us. When we didn't know Him, He loved us and died for us. When I've cursed Him and I've failed miserably since I've been saved, He loves me. And yet, what about my love for Him who first loved me? Who gave His only Son. My love for the Father who gave His only Son. My love for the Son who died for my sins. What about my... uh, what does God desire from my life now? Do we ever start asking those questions and instead of, well, it's okay, God loves you. It's cool, God, God loves you. Yeah, you, you shouldn't listen to that. You watch that movie, you shouldn't have. It's cool, God loves you. Don't forget about grace. He's, and I understand that. We ought not forget about grace or the love of God. Ever, ever, ever. You can't over-magnify. But you can minimize other things from the Word of God and from the life of Christ that are here for believers. I'm talking about for believers that, that are saved. What, what about what pleases the Lord? He purchased me with His blood, right? It means He bought me. He paid a price. I use the example all the time. You go into the store, you buy a tool. You buy a new air compressor. You buy uh, some, a jacket because it's cold. Whatever you buy, you don't buy it to leave it hanging on the rack. You pay them good hard-earned money and you walk out and leave it there. You wouldn't do that. That'd be foolish. You buy it for a purpose. Now, the Lord bought us because He loved us, but He also purchased us us unto good works, which He before ordained that we should walk in them. A peculiar people, zealous of good works, that our life would testify of Christ, that our life would be salt and light to those around us. A life of disobedience doesn't fulfill any of that. Even as a believer, a life of pattern. That's what I talk about. A pattern of obedience. Shouldn't we find out, if I, if I do love the Lord, I do. I don't love Him as much as I should, but I do love Him. If, if I love Him, shouldn't I find out what He requires? What pleases Him? Uh, I would say, shouldn't every true believer desire to know, seek to know, and come to know what the will of God is for his or her life? I, I believe we have that responsibility I believe we have that call. We don't have to go searching on some mountaintop. We go to the Word of God. We get our knees in prayer. We get at the altar. He's speaking to us all day long. He's communing with us all day long. He's showing us 
This is pleasing. This is right in His sight. Here's the way. Walk ye in it. He's showing us. He's leading us. He's guiding us all the time. This is dangerous. This is dark. This is not of me. This is evil. This is going to trip you up. This is a temptation. These people aren't... Uh, you need to steer clear of that. I don't... You know, He's leading us. He's speaking to us all the time. You're desperate for maybe a godly Christian friend or a boyfriend or girlfriend or a wife. Don't, don't get impatient. Stay where God has you. He's going to lead you into what He has for you. He's speaking to us. He's guiding us. And so, uh, I want to read this quote from Ari Torrey. It says, Some are making God's... This is back in his day in the early 1900s. Some are making God's infinite love that caused Him to give His Son to die on the cross of Calvary. Some are making that love, he says, an excuse for trampling His laws underfoot. He's a great evangelist. He won a lot of people to the Lord, but I agree with that statement. Some. It's not a blanket condemnation on the church world. Some are making God's infinite love that gave His Son to die on the cross of Calvary an excuse for trampling His laws underfoot. It's not an excuse. His love was never meant to be an excuse. His grace is never meant to be a license or an excuse to sin. His Word tells us that. And so, uh, we're accepted in the Beloved. Praise God, whether I'm perfect or imperfect, and I'm imperfect, and yet, there's still a call of holiness upon my life. And there's still an equipping of holiness and obedience upon my life by the Holy Spirit. If you love me, keep my commandments. I've given this illustration before, and, and just bear with me if you've heard it before. It's also in the Foundations book, the first one that, that I wrote. Uh, F.B. Meyer gives the illustration of a dog, okay, that was like a, a German shepherd. It, it was a country dog, and it grew up in the, on the farms, okay, out in the country, and could roam the land and come and go as he pleased from the farmer's house. And for whatever reason, one day the, the dog was sold to a city man that lived in London, okay? So this dog's life was drastically changed. He's living in a little apartment in London, and uh, the, the master would, every afternoon at the exact same time, would, he loved the dog, he took care, good care of the dog, but he put a collar on the dog, and put a leash on the dog every day at the exact same time in the evening, and walked the, the dog around the park. And they'd have their time walking down the street into the park, and go back in the house. And it became such a routine that the dog, when it was time, he just knew it was time. He started sticking his neck out, getting ready for the collar and the leash. Well, after many months of, of, of being this city dog and in that routine, he stuck out his neck one day ready for, the, for his walk, for his collar and the leash and his walk. And, and the master, and I know the dog doesn't understand English, but here's the point. He says, uh, no, not today, boy. Not going not gonna to put the collar on today. And so they walk to the door. He opens the door. And the dog bolts out of sight. Okay? Out of sight, two blocks down, around the corner, and he's gone. And the master just keeps standing there, waiting by his door of his house. After a few minutes, the dog comes trotting back, sits down right by him, and just sits there. And, and then they have their walk, and there was no more need for a leash or a collar. And, and Epi Meyer says, well, what's, what's the leash that held the dog now? He said, love. Love holds him now. 
And so we don't, we don't have to, we have the commandments of God and we're to keep the commandments of God and we obey them whether we feel like it or not because they're God's and they're His commandments and we're His children. It's not a question. But we come to a point after walking with the Lord in our intimacy with Christ where His commandments are not burdensome, they're not grievous. I want to please Him who saved me. I want to please Him who died for me. What about my love for him? Does that not need to grow in all of us to where whatever he would call us to do, and if it's to lay down our life for him, to die, it wouldn't be burdensome. It would be a joy because he already bought me, already belonged to him. I'm his purchased possession. I want to be a vessel of honor in his hand. Whatever he sees fit, the potter and I'm the clay, whatever he sees fit to do with my life, that I would obey Him out of love. I don't have to wash that away and minimize it and bring it down to just nothing and say, oh, it's cool, man. God loves you. In other words, live however you want. God loves you. Act this way. Curse a little bit. Let a few curse words slide on the basketball court. It doesn't really matter, man. We're all loved by God. We're all Christians. It's all grace. covers it all. What about living for God? What about being holy? What if you were married and your spouse went around and you were just talking about other women the whole time or other men the whole time? It would be a shame, wouldn't it? A crying shame. And so what about the Lord? What about my love for Him? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not minimizing at all His great love for us or His grace or His infinite mercy or the power, the so great salvation that when I fail Him, I'm still His child. Not minimizing that. We talked about it at length last week. But what about... My love for the Lord. Okay, we've talked in our study in Revelation in Sunday school. And we're going to get to this specific passage next week. But uh, it says of the 144,000 that were sealed, it says, and I love this, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. And just picture that in your mind. There are people, and that's not they're not the only ones, but it's spoken of these 144,000 Christian that are going to be testifying during the tribulation that they follow. These are they that follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And I want to be that. Privately, when nobody's around and y'all aren't watching me and I'm not watching you and nobody else close to you is around and publicly and with the church and with lost people, I want to be the type of person and be the person that follows the Lamb because of devotion to Him, because of love for Him because of a desire to be with Him and to please Him. Not physically just to be with Him, but in relationship to be right with Him. Be with Him in that sense. We're walking lockstep. He's the leader. I'm the follower. He's the good shepherd. I'm the sheep. I hear His voice and I follow. That's going to be a life of obedience, right? But it's not a life of burden. It's a life of obedience. And don't confuse the two. Oh, there's lots of commandments. There are lots and lots and lots and lots of commandments for Christians in the New Testament. Because you start rattling them off. None of them are in order to be saved for believers. They're all for men that women that are saved. How am I now to live? That's why we come to church all the time. I need to get to where I need to be. Most people don't get saved in church. And most of the people here are already saved. You know what I'm saying? And so what are we doing here? We're learning how to walk with God. We're learning when our heart grows cold. That some, there's a heart issue. It's not just an obedience issue. It's a heart that doesn't want to obey. My heart's going after the things of the world. I'm more intrigued in the world and the way the world lives. And 
People my age, well, they're all doing this and they're going to these parties and they're, they're all doing this and they all say they're Christians. What's so wrong with it? And, and well, there's a heart issue. It's not the commandment, so to speak. The commandment is there, you know, uh, set no evil thing before your eye, whatever it may be. Have no coarse jesting. I mean, it's like crude jokes and things. like Those commandments are there. We ought to obey them whether we feel like it or not. But when I hate doing it, when I hate obeying the Lord and wish I could break that commandment and go tell some dirty jokes, the problem is my heart. It's a heart issue. And so if I'm longing for the things of the world, even in some little area, not all over, I don't want to be totally immersed in it, but if I'm longing for the world in some area, it's a heart issue. I'm, a, I'm saved. I'm His child. I want to stay. I'm going to be honest with you. I lived in the world. And I lived in the world as a believer. And now that I've committed my life fully to Christ, it makes me, it grieves me when I see young people that want to see how close they can get back over there. They've never been there. They might have grown up in church, whereas maybe I didn't. They want to see, as a Christian now, growing up in the Christian home, how far I can slide over this way and do some of these things that aren't the real, 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 real bad things and just kind of at least go this far. And I'm saying, no, no, no. There's nothing there for you. Nothing there for you. Zero. Not 50% of it. Not 10%. Not the fringes of it that aren't so bad. Christ is for you. Jesus is for you. Live for the Lord. Walk with God. That will not satisfy you. Go on and try it if you want to. I'm not really saying to try it. But if you must, you must. Do it. You're going to find that it's misery. It did not satisfy because it cannot satisfy and only Jesus can. So when I see young people or any age person as a grown up in church and they know they've been on youth retreats and everything like that and they're saved and they really are saved and, and now they're feeling a longing because of people around them. Maybe there's other Christians around them that may be saved, may not be going off into these worldly things and they're wanting to see how far I want to follow them out. That Wait, no, follow the Lord wherever He goes. Follow the Lamb wherever He goes. That's not going to be anything for you there. There's nothing there for you and nothing there for me. And I thank the Lord that... Uh, well, let's look at a couple more Scriptures. If you're still in John 15, look at just verse 14. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, I'm not writing these. I didn't make this up. Okay. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. These are not scriptures invented by controlling pastors that want to get their congregations into some type of bondage. Okay? This is the Word of God. I'm not trying to put anything on you. Jesus said, Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I didn't write that. Everybody's not a friend of God. But I can tell you what, if you are going to be a friend of God, you're, you're going to be the one that keeps His commandments. We, not perfectly. We fail. We sin. But even in that, there's mercy and forgiveness. But I keep His commandments, guess what? And I want to keep His commandments. And if I don't want to, I get on my, I spend, that's where I spend my time in prayer. Change my heart. Change my heart. Change my heart. Not only that I would obey you, but that I would want to obey you. 
because it's really hard in this area, or it's really hard in that area, or it's really hard at this time of life because all my peers, they call themselves Christians too, they're all going out and doing this. And I feel from the Word, don't feel from the Word of God that that's not for me as a believer. And it's very hard for me now not to go do that. That's where we need to spend our time in the Word of God. That's where we need to spend our time not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, but coming together and sitting under the Word of God like we're hearing this morning and getting at the altar and letting God touch and change our hearts and lives. Everybody's not a friend of God, but if you're going to be a friend of God, He says you're going to, you're going to be the one that keeps my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Everybody doesn't love God. And guess what? It's not just some sub subjective, arbitrary thing. How do I know if I love God? You know, I've got a, I have a bunch of posters on my wall of and cross hanging around my neck. It's, it's characterized by obedience to Christ. I'll look, look at the Scripture in John 14. We read it last week. John 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. We'll just stop right there. He that has my commandments and keeps them. Jesus said this, right? This is not a pastor trying to take all the joy out of your life. And, and get a little flock that just follows Him wherever He goes. This is the Word of God. He that has My commandments and keeps them, He it is that loves Me. And he goes on to talk about that relationship. I'll love Him. My Father will love Him. We'll make our dwelling place with Him. And same in verse 23. And so, uh, oftentimes, y'all, obedience to Christ, we touched on this last week, is not spoken of in our day because it's looked at within the church world. Forget the world world. The world, world. Within the church world, obedience to Christ is not talked about a lot because it comes across to many hearers as being legalistic, pharisaical. What about grace? What about love? What about forgiveness? What about mercy? What about those? Let's study every one of them. Let's study mercy. Let's study grace. Let's talk for the next three months about the love of God. Amen. We should do that. But God says... If you love me, keep my commandments. He says, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And so I'll ask you this, and we'll, we'll be bringing this to, to a close. Do you desire yourself, do you desire great intimacy with the Lord? First, we have to answer that question. You know, I, I, I think it would be nice, but I don't know if I'm really longing for anything more than I have. Then I need to be at the altar. And I need to be saying, Lord, my heart's grown cold. I want it to flame up again with a fire for you, for the person of Jesus Christ, for Almighty God. But do you desire a greater, and I was saying, increasing communion and fellowship with Almighty God? If we do, he would say to a lost man, because he desires this for every man, okay? He would say to a lost man, come through the door of Jesus Christ. And he would say to the saved man that came through Jesus Christ, he would say, I'm the door. Find me, if any man enters in, he shall find pasture. He'll come in and out and find pasture. So through Christ, that's where we're fed. That's where we're shepherded. That's where we're, he guides us and leads us through life. We come in and out. He leads us and we find pasture through the door, Jesus 
And so we hear a voice behind us, the Bible says, saying, when you turn to the left hand to the right, here's the way, walk ye in it. So do you want a greater intimacy with the Lord? God's way is going to be through our life in Christ, salvation, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, and then seeking after Him. And we seek after Him and we walk with Him. There's a real way to get up on Monday morning and live your life. There's a very prescribed way. Okay? We seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All the other things are added unto us. We abstain from all appearance of evil. We are filled with the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. You know, there's a very prescribed way how the believer is to live. It's not just a prescribed way of how we get saved. It's a prescribed way of how now that I am saved, how do I go on with Christ? And that only that way, only His way is prescribed for the believer is going to be the, the intimate fellowship and the communion with the Lord. We want that. We should want it more. But if we do want it, we're going to have it. It's going to be the way that God says we're going to have it. It's going to be an obedience to the Lord as we walk with Him. And so, uh, I wonder if you're still in John. We read uh, one of these verses. We're going to back up. John 15, 7 through 10. This is the last passage we're going to read together. John 15, 7 through 10. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here it is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Nothing here about being grievous. Nothing here about being joyless. Nothing here about being miserable. All those, those worldlings that don't know Jesus, they've really got the light. Now they can just go live it up. But you're a Christian. You've got to toe the line. You're a Christian. You have to stay within this tiny little box of framework. Touch not, taste not. Can't do any of that stuff. That's a lie. It's a lie invented by Satan to make people not want to give their life to Jesus and to keep people that have given their life to Jesus to be, keep them from wanting to be holy uh, thinking they're missing out on everything in this world. There is nothing in this world. That's what the Lord's trying to tell us. There's nothing there. It paints a pretty picture. I heard about this. Y'all, I haven't seen it, but one of these books I was reading, I've never been to the uh, French Riviera. Anybody here ever been to the French Riviera? Okay, on the Mediterranean Sea. Beautiful, some of the most valuable probably land on the planet. And it's beautiful. It's on the coastline. It's very wealthy. Everybody that lives there is very wealthy. And the people that have, are wealthy enough to have their homes there are basically built on the sides of the mountains and the cliffs that go up from the sea. And they have these, all of them, the, their status, so to speak, is, is determined by these balconies that they have. They walk out of the house and they can overlook the sea. And I'm sure it's beautiful. But what I've heard is that as you get further away from the sea up the mountain, the real estate's not as valuable up there, uh, that some of the, the people have on their homes, they paint balconies. They don't have a real balcony on the side of their home. They paint a balcony that looks like with maybe some chairs and a beautiful balcony overlooking the sea. It's a pretense. I'm not saying knocking it. I'm just using it for an illustration that it's not really what it seems to be. Okay? 
And Satan has painted a picture, and sometimes it really appeals to us, that the world has all these wonderful things to offer, but it doesn't. And you get up close to it, then it, it disappoints. Like, I get, I'm going to rent that house up there. Look at the balcony on that thing. Pay down your money. You go up there and drive up the winding cliffs. You get up there. Oh, it's just a painting. This is a shack, you know? And it's got, it's got a painting on the wall. I can't sit on that balcony and enjoy the sea breeze. There's nothing there. And Satan just laughs. So he goes, oh, well. And he, he pulls that one back and sets another one. This is the one. This is the one that's going to satisfy you. Young people, older people, whoever. And, and you get to that and you grab for it. Pray you don't. But we, we grab for it and he yanks that one away. No, it's this one. There's one a little further. Or you need to do this one again. Try that one again. And you know what I'm saying? It never satisfies. It never does. Never. And he keeps pulling them away, out of the way. There is pleasure in sin for a season. The Bible says that. But it's nothing what you thought it would be. It doesn't satisfy. Christ satisfies. He created me. I was going to say invented me. He created me. And He knows how to satisfy the longing soul. If you want your intimacy with Christ to increase, pray for that. He's going to show us all. It's going to come through a life of obedience, not disobedience. Walk with me. But don't look at it as a burden. Don't look at it as a drag. That, oh, you just laid another heavy burden. Or that pastor just laid another heavy chain around my neck like a ship anchor. It's dragging me down. We're free. We're free in Christ. The worldling thinks he's free, but he's not. We are free, but willingly make ourselves servants to Christ. Amen? Amen? Because he's worth it. Because he's better than all that, that is offered to me elsewhere. Listen, and I'm, I'm going to close with this. The, the life of obedience, love and obedience, the Lord intertwines those. Okay, the Lord does that. He doesn't intertwine love and feelings and things like that, although He gave us our emotions and He can touch our emotions, and I thank God He can. Okay? He can fill us to overflowing with joy and so forth. But He intertwines love and obedience. Love for God and obedience to Him. Not just a sentimental love, it's feeling, oh, they played my favorite song. Or it's Christmas time, and I got to get goosebumps at Christmas time. You know, it's not a sentimental love for God. I love Christmas too, okay? But it's a real love for God. And as I said earlier, it's not arbitrary or subjective. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. That's what the Lord says. He that has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one that loves me. So we don't even cut out all the wonder if I love God and they love God and so forth. Nobody's perfect. Nobody in the whole picture that I've painted is perfect. We commit sins as believers. But as if I love God, I desire to keep His commandments. And if I'm failing, then I want to get with Him and be strengthened. I want to obey Him more today than I did yesterday and in 2019 than I did in 2018. You understand what I'm saying? I want to be more of a test, a witness for Christ at work this year than I was last year. I want it all to be increasing. That's what I'm talking about. Walking in obedience to the Lord. And the Bible says that, that if we abide, if you keep my commandments, I'll close with this verse and then you can come on. I had other things I want to share, but I think this is what, what He's given us. Okay, if, 
If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. It's the same type of love, same type of obedience that Christ displayed. You see what I'm saying? He's, he's correlating it. You watch how I've kept my Father's commandments. He was obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. I'm not called to die on a cross physically on Calvary. I am called to die to myself and live unto God, though. Okay? Spiritually, and walk with Him. That is a calling. And so He's relating it. They're not, it's not far-fetched. It's not a stretch. His relationship on earth, how He served His Father. And by serving His Father the way He did, in obedience, He, abide, he was abiding in His Father's love. And that's how he says, we're going to abide here. It's not by going to another passion conference with 50,000 people that when they leave, they're going to, half of them might go out drinking. It's, it's, it's those, it's worshiping God and abiding with Christ in, in reality, in accordance to his word, what he says in his word. And, and they're not ingredients. So it's a, it's a heart issue, y'all. It's not pointing the finger saying, do this, do this, do this. I've got 20 more things. Don't let to do these 20 things. Those things are clearly laid out in the scriptures. Okay? But I want to abide in His love. I want my intimacy with the Lord to increase. He tells me how that's going to be and how it's not going to be. Okay? If I'm going to be a friend of God, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I want to be a friend of God. I have quite a friend in Jesus. Amen? But I want to be a friend back to Him and walk in that way with Christ. These altars are open, y'all. Please, let's call upon the Lord before we leave this morning. I know God said something to your heart today. I know He spoke to my heart. And Father, we do love You, Jesus. You said love not in word only, but in deed and in truth. It's easy to love in words. Our enemies can tell us that they love us. But Lord, we want to be those that, like that dog that learned he didn't have to have a leash anymore because he loved his master and he wanted to stay with him and obey him. Lord, we want our lives to honor you. We want our testimony for Jesus to be strong and what you would have it to be before men, privately and publicly, God. We want our usefulness to the Lord, to you, God, to be as, as great as it can be. We want our effectiveness, our service to the Lord to be what you would have it to be. We want our intimacy and our communion, our fellowship with you, with Almighty God, to be what you want it to be through the blood of Jesus, God, and by faith. Thank you for your mercy. We've failed so many times, and we'll call it what it is. We've sinned so many times as Christians. I think that every time we genuinely turn and come, there's mercy and forgiveness and grace. We're forgiven. We're restored. We're set back on our feet. Thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you said in Romans 8, nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But Lord, what about our love for us? We do love you. You said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Fill us. Pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. That our love for God would increase. You can't just make yourself love God more. But you can't call out to God and ask Him to help you. You can't make yourself 
change your heart and make it perfect and hate the things of the world, but you can't call out to Jesus and ask Him to change your heart. And Lord, that's what we're doing. That's all we're doing this morning. Make us that loving people that obeys you out of love, that doesn't view your commandments as being a burden or grievous. Thank you, Jesus, God. We love you now.